Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. Episode 9 of Season 2 is focused on the hymn, Come Unto Me, Ye Weary. It's Chapter 9 of the book, Ponder Anew, A Hymn Journal of Trust and Confidence, brought to you by Next Step Press. Today, I'm delighted to say that our special guest is Professor Leopoldo Sanchez. He's a professor of systematic theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. You'll hear Leo open us with prayer, and then we'll share the readings on page 87 and talk a little bit about Jesus asleep in the boat and what that rest means for our lives as followers of Jesus. In the course of our conversation, you'll hear us talk about rest in two senses. Rest as literal sleep, an act of trust and confidence, and then also the spiritual rest of hearing the word and addressing the Lord in prayer, the rest we know as Sabbath rest. You can see both kinds of rest in the life of Jesus, and we'll explore that a little bit as the podcast goes on. Well, today has been a chilly day on the lake, early August, and already there's a bite in the air. It's already starting to feel a little bit like fall, which is hard for my Texan wife to believe. It's been gray and kind of rainy, but there's a promise of more sunshine to come. So wherever you are today, whatever you've got going on in your life, welcome. I'm so glad you're here as we get to talk to Leo Sanchez about our life as followers of Jesus in the garden, where we labor and work as stewards of God's gifts, on the mountain, where we receive from God and also worship God, and the playground, where we experience delight in God's good creation. Thanks for being with us today. Leo Sanchez joins us today on the Next Step Podcast. Leo, thanks and welcome back. Hi, Justin. Nice to be here. Hey, tell me, where in the world are you today? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm at home. It's been a busy summer teaching online, as many of us are. And so we're doing well. So we thank God for that. Hmm. Has the seminary made plans for how they're going to approach the fall? Well, you know, this summer, we actually brought in a small group of students for Greek and Hebrew, you know, with the proper measures and so on. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be going well. So the plan, I think, is to try something along the lines of in-person with social distancing and the use of masks, just to make sure that everyone is uh, safe and healthy as we do the Lord's work. What a strange communication environment we live in. As we go to God's Word together today, Leah, would you please open us with a word of prayer? Yes, I'll be glad to. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, we come to you restless, anxious about the woes of this world, the pandemic, the ugly face of racism and discrimination, economic need and uncertainty. We are restless and can only find rest in you. So come upon us, Holy Spirit, dove of peace. Take our anxiety and uncertainty away Give us confidence, give us new strength, 
refresh us in Jesus Christ in these difficult times. Give us hope amidst hopelessness. Come, Holy Spirit. You are the healer of our souls. Rest upon us with your soothing consolation. Give rest to the weary so that we can then be re-energized to engage a hurting world rightly again, to engage this world justly in prayer and labor. Come Holy Spirit, we need you. Amen. Amen. Our scripture readings today begin with Psalm 127, verse 2. The Lord grants sleep to those he loves. Matthew 8, 24 through 26. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And finally, from Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 27, Jesus declared, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Dr. Sanchez, as we sit with these Bible verses today, is there something that jumped out at you particularly? Well, let's see. This idea that in the middle of a furious storm and the waves uh, just moving that boat back and forth, that Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> that, that always seemed uh, to me to be rather shocking that in the midst of so much going on, one would sleep as if nothing was going on. And it shows, I think, a certain type of a certain type of trust, you might say, and something that is quite difficult for us to appreciate. I think hmm. the typical normal reaction would be to be uh, immediately aware and perhaps even anxious about a situation like this, as the disciples are. You know, you would think that's the typical normal way of uh, yeah. <laughs> dealing with a situation like this, and I think we can definitely see ourselves in the disciples, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then uh, Jesus sort of 
comes back and puts everything into perspective so that by rebuking the winds and the waves is basically saying, well, you know, I am one with the creator of all things. And indeed with him, I am uh, the Lord of creation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, let me uh, put this into perspective for you. <laughs> when things get really rough, we got your back. Yeah. And I think that's difficult. You know, we, what we try to do is we try to uh, put the weight of the world on our back. Yeah. When things are difficult and we want to solve everything and we want to work hard to make that happen. Uh, and here we're being told to rest in Christ and in his confidence and in his strength. And that's very difficult to do, you know. So that's something that really strikes me as uh, a great blessing, especially in restless times. Yeah, we're, uh, we have a lot to be anxious about. Uh, yeah. I've heard that story of the storm described in many different ways, one of them being the sleep of Jesus there being an expression of his complete humanity. You know, he's so tired that he slept through the storm. Oftentimes it is taken as a sign of, of Jesus' divinity. He's one with God and therefore can do things like command the wind and the waves. And it strikes me that what you were just saying frames both of those realities in terms of Jesus' dependence on the Father. So Jesus sleeps in part because he trusts that his father is in control. I think Jesus does not seem to be anxious when the disciples want him to be anxious. I think that occurs several times in the Gospels. Uh, that very first verse we read on page 87, Psalm 127, that's the second part of verse 2. Uh, maybe you know the first part of Psalm 127, verses 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And then this is verse 2. It is in vain you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. So if you're working really hard, you're, you're staying up late to work and you're getting up early to work and your days are filled with anxiety and that defines your reality, you're missing this fact that the Lord himself gives sleep to those he loves. Yeah, I want to come back to that concept of rest, but when I turn the page, I think the devotion on the next page picks up on some of those thoughts. So let me go ahead and read that, and I want to hear from you more about the biblical concept of rest. The devotion on page 88 is called, I Will Give You Rest. Sleep is an act of trust. Sleep means you have to relinquish control of your surroundings, and it's going to be okay. Sleep is a gift from God. Sleep brings refreshing renewal while you are helpless and vulnerable. Only the confident can rest secure. We find Jesus asleep on a cushion in a boat, and when a sudden storm gets so violent that even career fishermen are shaking from fear, Jesus sleeps on. Yes, Jesus was fully human and exhausted, but more than that, Jesus entrusted his life and his situation to his heavenly Father. Jesus could sleep securely in the midst of the storm because he knew the one who holds the power of the wind and waves. When Jesus finally does wake up, his response is not, Whoa, look at the storm! You should have gotten me up sooner! Instead, in the midst of that fearful gale, Jesus asks, 
Where is your faith? Sleep is a gift from God. Sleep is an act of trust. You can sleep securely, like Jesus in the storm, because your Heavenly Father is still in control, even when you are not. Sleep well. Does that devotion seem to fit with what you were saying about Jesus in the storm? Yeah, and one of the things that struck me is this idea that you're right, one immediately tends to look at this incident in terms of the divinity mm. of Christ, you know, how as the Lord of creation, you know, he can calm the waves and that kind of thing. And I think that it's part of an interpretation that makes sense. He does uh, get up and rebuke the winds and the waves. And so there is something uh, to that. But here you're also stressing, I think, another dimension of this. Uh, and again, these are complementary, you know, they're not against one another. But this dimension that Jesus is also one who is the obedient and faithful son. Hmm. And one who in his human life and mission lives by the spirit, in the spirit, uh, in this uh, dependence on the Father for all things. He knows that his Father's got his back, and then he also speaks on behalf of his Father, as it were. You know, so he's the recipient of God's gift of sleep and complete confidence in him. And at the same time, he's the one who speaks that word to others in the name of the Father who sent him. You see, and I think this twofold dimension of the text is quite helpful because we can both identify with uh, our need in Jesus. We too depend on the Father for the gift of sleep. And at the same time, we can also rejoice in Jesus as the one who speaks for the Father and brings that gift to us in his name. So I, I, I love this idea, especially the emphasis of your devotion on, on sleep as an act of trust. Hmm. It reminds me of Luther, actually. You know, Luther used to speak of sleep, literal sleep, as the greatest act of faith, hmm. which is always kind of shocking at first. You know, how can sleeping be an act of faith? Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to be doing something, right? It's supposed to be activity when we think about faith, not this sort of stillness. And yet it is when we sleep that we express our trust in the God who's got, as the spiritual says, the whole wide world in his hands. <laughs> you know that the world does not depend on me and my activity to keep going but that in every way the world the whole creation depends on god and so sleep is really an act of trust in the god who's who's got our back and i think you capture really that that well in the devotion and so jesus uh, sort of exemplifies and embodies mm. uh, that trust and perhaps invites us then into that trust too, the one who receives and bears the Spirit, pours the Spirit out on us that we might also enter into his rest and his relationship with the Father. 
that that sounds almost obvious and natural. Of, of course, I can see sleep as trust. And then when you you go to lie down and sleep and you're filled with so much anxiety or there's so many things to do or you're rolling around because uh, you've got worries for the next day. It's harder to live that out when the storm is blowing. And sleep also is talked about in the Bible as a gift from God in several places. We saw some of them. It strikes me that Jesus was kind of in this habit of resting, wasn't he? He he would often spend time away. He would spend time in prayer. Uh, sometimes his rest was sleeping. Sometimes his rest was staying awake all night praying. But in those cases, especially in key moments in, in the story, I remember Jesus before he chooses the 12, he goes off and prays. Uh, I remember after feeding the 5,000, Jesus sends the disciples off and he goes off and prays. Actually, in Luke's account of the Transfiguration, Jesus takes the, those three close disciples up on a mountain to pray. And while Jesus is praying, he's transfigured. And of course, before the arrest and, and crucifixion there in the garden, he's, he's praying. So as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, I wonder how that, that resting in confidence and trust permeates the prayer even that Jesus teaches us. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, uh, here you have sort of the twofold sense of rest, right? Uh, there is literal sleep as an act of trust. And then there is also this idea of resting in God's uh, promises by hearing them and by setting time aside from the busyness of life to speak with him. And so it's kind of the spiritual rest, you know, the, the idea of hearing the word and uh, uh, addressing the Lord in prayer, the conversation with God. And so uh, we see this in the life of Jesus as well. And uh, he invites us to that kind of life. You know, you mentioned a lot of passages from Luke. Luke does bring prayer a lot in the life mm. of uh, Jesus, more than the other Gospels. Mm. And one of the passages that really strikes me is the one where the crowds are coming to him for healing, and he goes to the mountain mm -hmm. to pray. And my first reaction to that is, how dare he? You know? <laughs> he's he's got yeah. work to do. There's a lot. There's people taking number. You know. No, well, what's going on with Jesus? Here, <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> well, he's, he's disappointing me here. What's going on? Yeah. Know? He doesn't live up to my standard, which is to be busy all the time. Wow, that's a mouthful. He doesn't live up to my standard being busy all the time oh wow i want to reflect that jesus right i want yeah. to reflect the the jesus who labors all the time yeah uh, and indeed jesus is anointed with the spirit and as he was praying the spirit descends upon him so prayer is even there in luke's account mm. of his baptism which is his anointing for mission and he's anointed as a servant and, and so we know that you know, the Father sends him to serve in the Spirit. And so labor is a dimension of his life. But it's very interesting to me that he will not let his work on our behalf get in the way of his time with the Father mm. uh, in conversation with him. And I think there we have an important lesson uh, in the book of Acts also written by Luke, you have also this idea that, you know, we need to install some deacons here mm. so that the disciples have more time 
for prayer and the word. <laughs> you know, we usually say for the word, for sure, because, you know, we need to do the work of proclaiming that word. Right. But prayer, give me a break, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's really both and, you know, it's the activity of proclamation and the activity of setting time aside for the mountain. Yeah. You know, and there is, I think, a good lesson for us. Christ embodies a life of uh, rest in the sense of resting in God's care. And so he's got the whole wide world in his hands, but also rest in the sense of being still mm -hmm. to receive from and speak to God, uh, which is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. When, when you talk about spiritual rest rather than literal rest, time in prayer, time in the word, hearing and, and speaking the gospel to each other, that always brings up Sabbath for me. So how does the concept of Sabbath fit into this conversation? Yeah, well, this Sabbath, right, the idea that God rested after he had created all things and all things were good, you know. So now the Sabbath is a time to sort of be still in the presence of this greatness, hmm. this giftedness. So that we set time aside to thank God and praise him for his gifts, you know. And there is something about uh, the notion of Sabbath rest uh, in terms of the call to be in God's presence and kind of soak it all in. <laughs> hmm. And when you're too busy, you don't have time for that because the anxieties of the world. Uh, grab so much of your attention that you no longer see the gifts of God all around you. Hmm. It's really quite amazing and even shocking to think about that, you know, that I could have a beautiful sunshine and a fruitful earth uh, before me and I completely miss it. Hmm because I am so focused on getting my computer work done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there is something, uh, uh, you know, about the call to simply be still and rejoice in all the goodness of creation, even in the midst of the corruption of mm. creation and all the pain and suffering that, that we see around us, you know. And you see that in the life of uh, Israel with, you know, the whole idea of sabbatical cycles, you know, mm -hmm. uh, every seventh day, mm -hmm. uh, you know, every seven uh, years, you know, every seven times seven years and different times that Israel sets aside. And for what purpose? So that they could literally rest. So the cessation of labor, so to speak but for a deeper purpose and and that purpose is to rest but precisely to give thanks and to rejoice in god's gifts of creation and there were prayers for that in those celebrations but also for god's gift of salvation and new creation so to give thanks for god's deliverance of his people from egypt you know so kind of both things going on. You have the idea of literal rest and also the idea of thanksgiving to God uh, in prayer for his wonderful deeds. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, the Sabbath becomes kind of a rhythm of life. You know, it, it gives life a certain balance. It, it reminds us that we were created 
both for movement, but also for repose. We were created like Adam to be stewards of creation. You know, we, we have to tend to a garden of some sort, uh, but also we were created for the mountain, you see. Hmm. Um, and I would add, even for the playground, mm -hmm. I might put it that way. So, you know, we were created to set that time for God in prayer, but also to delight mm -hmm. God's gifts of creation. And I think that's another dimension of the Sabbath. We're too busy doing the tending to the garden thing mm. that we have kind of lost the balance and the rhythm, which includes also repose both as time with God in prayer and thanksgiving and also a time to delight mm -hmm. in God's gifts of creation. So I think, you know, the way that I try to capture all of these elements of what it means to live a devoted life, I tend to think of three images, the garden, the mountain, and the playground, mm. <laughs> as you have been uh, hearing. And so I always ask people, so, you know, what's your garden, right? So what are those activities and vocations and work that you have been given to do? And to acknowledge the blessings of that. And even though, you know, there are difficulties also involved, uh, challenges. Uh, but then also, what's your mountain? You know, what is the place that you go to, right, to receive from God? in his word and to speak to him in prayer. And finally, what is your playground? You know, I tell my students at the seminary that they need to get a, uh, get some kind of hobby, you know. <laughs> uh, do something that allows you to delight in God's gifts. And sometimes there might be some work involved in that. Play is kind of a, a something between work and rest. There might be activity involved, but it feels like it's not your regular job. Mm -hmm. uh, so playing in a symphony for me is a type of rest. Mm. You can't exactly wing a symphony. You have to <laughs> <laughs> but it's a delight, it's a joy, and it's a form of rest from everything else that's going on. Thanks, Leo. I, lo I love that image of the garden, the mountain, and the playground. Late July is a common vacation time, especially up here in Michigan. And of course, COVID makes it a little bit crazy. But I don't know, I, I'm reminded of that time on vacation. It's probably happened to you too, when you're you're working really hard <laughs> to do vacation. And at some point, somebody says something like, okay, now let's just hold on one second and look at where we are. Or let's take a moment to just enjoy what's going on. And you're kind of brought to mind consciously that the, the, the delight of the moment, whether it's the sunset in front of you or uh, the beautiful thing you've gone to see, standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon or, or looking over Niagara Falls. And, and let's just take just pause for a second. And even this fellowship of believers in the backyard becomes a moment of, of wonderful rest and delight. And it gives me a, a real joy to think of God getting done with creation and saw that once it was all done, it was very good. And, and like the father saying to the son in the spirit, hey, um, let's, let's just take a minute, okay? Can we just in fact, let's take the day. Let's just enjoy this for a second before we kind of move forward here. Uh, I love that idea of of rest towards enjoyment as well. Yes. Um, I see it in Luther, you know. So on the one hand, I think of Luther as a very busy guy, right? And at the same time, 
he talks about sleep. It's an act of faith. All right. So how can such a busy guy talk about sleeping? And then you have, you know, him saying things like, I wasn't responsible for the reformation of the church. I did nothing, he would say. I only preach and God did everything through his word while I was sleeping and drinking Wittenberg beer with my friends. You know? <laughs> and I love that way of speaking. While I was sleeping, yeah. and by that he means literal sleep, right? And while I was playing, yeah. you know, while I was delighting in, in this gift of friendship around a beverage, God was doing everything. So even play, I would say, is in some ways an act of trust. Mm. Uh, an act of trust in God, just as sleep is. Mm. You know, that he's the one who will not let his word come back empty, but to do that which he has established his word will do. And so I even see play, you know, this idea that play is an act of faith. Maybe that's something also to embrace more today. I love it. Sign me up. The people in this Ponder a New group that we've been going through this hymn journal, they they read the introduction. I talked about the, the Hebrew word sha'ah, which is a play word. It's a playful delight word. And talked about the work of engaging the scripture in this hymn journal as a kind of sha'ah, playful delight. And they really picked up on that idea and loved it. Leo, you quote Zechariah 8, 5 in your book, Sculptor Spirit, when it comes to play. You talk about how the promise in the new creation is, is that there'll be boys and girls playing in the street of the, of the new Jerusalem. Mm. And I was very much hoping that the Hebrew word there would also be sha'ah, because that's a beautiful, it'd be a beautiful connection there. I was somewhat disappointed that it's another Hebrew word for play. I did, however, find back in Proverbs chapter 8, a couple of verses that connected both the Sha'ah word and the word that appears in Zechariah 8. And this time it isn't about the new creation. This time it's about creation itself. So in, in Proverbs 8, you've got wisdom embodied, wisdom talking to, to the creator, and, and wisdom, this personification of God's wisdom says, I was beside God like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. And all of those delight and rejoicing words there have to do actually directly with play. So that gives me an image of God, the creator, delighting in his creation, playing as he brought forth giraffes and hippopotami and mountains and valleys and, and forests. God playing at his work of creation and then also delighting in, in human beings and being playful with them. That's a beautiful, what, what a wonderful image of the creation and the new creation. God delighting playfully with his creation, the new creation having sons and daughters playing in the street, and that encompassing this trust and dependence on God for everything. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this idea that we image God not only as stewards of the earth uh, and so in labor, but we also image him as people who delight in creation. Mm. We like to image the busy work part, but not always like to image the delight, mm. you know, that comes from the, the, the Sabbath rest. It's interesting that, you know, Jesus himself is said to rejoice in the spirit. 
because of the wonders that God has done revealing his word to the disciples. And so Jesus himself delights in God's works in the midst, you know, of, of his own ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we know that people in ministry have a huge problem with burnout. And yet, you know, uh, Jesus is there for us when, you know, we go through that uh, place of burnout and anxiety and uh, because we're doing everything we don't have time to delight in God's gifts and that also includes you know the gift of people Hmm. as you also were talking about you know that God has given has not put us here alone one of the problems with anxiety and burnout is loneliness uh, because we have taken the weight of the world upon ourselves we're alone no one is helping us. We don't need anybody's help. We become the Messiah, you know. Mm. And what's happening here is that no delight in, in God's gifts, and that includes the gift of His creatures, mm. you know. And uh, and let them also care for you. Let God care for you through them. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, you are not alone. Come unto me, ye weary. And I was really struck by a section on cheer. Hmm. I think it's the second stanza. Come unto me, ye wanderers, and I will give you light, a loving voice of Jesus, which comes to cheer the night. Hmm. Our hearts were filled with sadness, and we had lost our way, but thou hast brought us gladness and songs at break of day. You know, and then later it says, oh, cheering voice of Jesus, Mm -hmm. Uh, which comes to aid our strife. Mm. And I think, you know, even in times of social distancing, as the ones that we're going through today, there's a lot of loneliness and anxiety because people are disconnected. And other anxieties then take on. And so there seems to be no relief in sight and we Mm. seem to have lost our way. In, in other words, the joy has been sucked out of us. Yeah. And Jesus embodies that joy and invites us by his spirit into it as a gift. Hmm. We need that so much today. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, almost overwhelming to be lonely is often to be exhausted. To work without reward is to be exhausted. And when you're in that kind of a state, you almost don't see a way out. And there's no easy, there's no easy silver bullet either. But here I think there's at least the invitation to a next step that that includes both delight and rest. So so work is an important part of the equation and it is a gift from God. And in the life of Jesus, we see a, a Jesus who's dependent on the Father, who rests both physically and spiritually and who delights and plays. And perhaps that's something maybe we can we can incorporate into our walk this week too. A little more delight, a little bit more play, a little bit of rest, not a, oh boy, I tell you, I know so many people, myself included, who have taken vacation with guilt and uh, to instead embrace the gift of delight and time off is also a gracious thing. Amen. I mean, and the thing is, you know, none of this takes away from our responsibilities in the world. Mm. You know, uh, I, I remember St. Basil, a church father from the fourth century, who tried the monk thing and didn't work out so well for him. And I talk about that in my book, uh, Sculptor Spirit. 
But he says that one of the things that he learned while trying the monastic life was the beauty of receiving from God. Hmm. The problem is not the work that we have in the world to do. We, we have been given a garden, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The problem, he says, are the anxieties mm. that come with that, right? So the idea of setting time to rest in God, you know, uh, is really to deal with the anxiety, not to evade responsibility, not to flee from the world, but rather to step aside from the anxieties of it for a while in order to be refreshed so that then we can re-engage the world again. So it's not a flight from the world. It's rather taking time to rest in prayer and literally and in delight so that then we might be refreshed to labor once again in God's world. And I think that's the proper way of thinking about this. You know, we're, we're not talking about rest in order to prevent labor, but rather the anxieties that come with labor so that then we can labor once again, like Christ did, right? So it's a matter of living the, this rhythm of life, which is not exclusively one thing, but is the garden, the mountain, and the playground. Hmm. When you don't have a place to to rest from your labors, then the labor becomes either an idol or a burden, with the result that you swing the other way and, and want to escape it entirely. And then the rest itself can become an idol or, or a burden. Our culture seems to be burdened by rest. We have to have better rest than everybody else to make sure everybody saw the picture of it. As we put ourselves under the, the rest of Jesus the Messiah and the work and labor of Jesus the Messiah and the play of Jesus our Messiah, uh, then that rhythm begins to take hold of our life. And we can put rest and work and play, the the garden, the mountain, the playground, in their places in our lives as, as we work also in the kingdom. Leo, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I learn so much from you every time we do. And uh, you've been a real gift to, to our group. Thank you for sitting with us, and thank you for sitting with Come Unto Me Weary, and I Will Give You Rest. My pleasure, Justin. God's blessings to you, and may his spirit continue to shape us in the likeness of Christ, who labors, who rests, and who delights in God's works. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. It's always good to talk to Leo Sanchez from Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. It's good to talk to a Lutheran who has such a good handle on life in the spirit. Leo talks more about rest, work, and play in chapter 7 of his book, Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology. Chapter 7 is all about the devotional model. I'll put a link to that book in the description of this podcast. Today's episode was made possible in part by the generous support of Next Step patrons. Today we especially recognize John and Ken for their ongoing support of our mission and ministry. I just met John recently, and Ken's been a longtime friend. So thank you, Ken and John. Thank you for helping us equip others for their next step following Jesus. If now is the right time for you to make a commitment to the mission of resourcing Next Step Discipleship, please consider becoming a Next Step patron today. You can see different options for support in the link in this podcast or go to www.findmynextstep.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and hit the Become a Patron button. 
It's been just wonderful spending some time with you today as we follow Jesus together. As you go about your ordinary week this week, remember that as a human being, you were created in God's image. And you image God back to the creation, not just as a steward of the earth that is in your labor, but you also image God as an individual who delights in God's creation. So this week, look for rest and work and play in your rhythm of grace. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time at Next Step Press.